This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. God, this morning to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 21. John 21. So John 21, reading from verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, Lake of Gennesaret, it's all the same place. And in this way he showed himself, and in this way he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid in it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was Lord. Then Jesus, sorry, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Uh, John 21 concerns the events between Jesus and his disciples between the resurrection and the ascension. During that six-week period, or, or 40 days uh, to be exact, and during that time, Jesus appeared to them as a group. He appeared to individuals. In fact, one time he appeared to 500 people at once. But to them as a group, he appeared three times. The first time was the resurrection Sunday evening. That first resurrection Sunday evening. And there was 10 of them in the room because Judas had already committed suicide and Thomas wasn't there, as you remember. The following week, uh, he again appeared in a room, and this time 11 was there because Thomas was there this time. That was the moment when he says, do not be faithless but believing, reach out and touch me, and so forth. And then uh, the third time is right here, as it says, and this time seven were present, five were named, and two unnamed. Now this also is the third miracle of Jesus concerning fishing in the Sea of Galilee that's been recorded. 
Uh, the first time in Luke 5, you remember, Jesus came uh, and saw the disciples who were washing and mending their nets. And he says, Look, uh, lend me your boat and push it out a little from the land. And so he preached to that great crowd that had gathered there on the hillside down by the, the lake. And uh, then he told them to go out and cast their net into the deep and they would get a great draft of fishes, which they did. And of course, that was a wonderful, wonderful miracle. The second time speaks of that uh, argument that was going on regarding whether Jesus should pay the temple tax. And uh, Peter came to him and says, look, people saying, uh, has your master paid the temple tax? And so Jesus says, well, actually, I don't really need to pay that, but so it will not offend them. He says, I want you to go out and cast a hook, not a net, but a hook. And the first fish that you catch will have money in its mouth and it will be enough to pay your tax and my tax, the temple tax. And then the third time is right here uh, in this portion that we have just uh, read together. Now, it's about almost four weeks since Jesus last appeared to them. And during this 40-day period between the resurrection and ascension, uh, he would appear and he would disappear. He would come and he would go without any warning, without any instruction, without any direction. He would just come and appear, then he would just disappear. He had that ability in his resurrection body. And the only time, actually, he, he did direct them and tell them was that moment after the resurrection where he told Mary Magdalene, go and tell my disciples, I'm going to meet them in Galilee. But other than that... Uh, then they had no idea when he was going to show up or when he was going to go. And uh, it's also interesting that during this period that Jesus only appeared to believers. And he appeared to many believers, in fact, 500 brethren at one time, but only believers. Uh, no doubt if he had appeared to unbelievers, they would immediately recognize that he was resurrected, that he was the Son of God, but he chose not to because... From then on, both they and us were going to have to believe the same way, by faith that Jesus was resurrected. And through the proclamation of the gospel message, that's how we believe that Jesus died and rose again uh, in the resurrection. And so, during this six weeks period, uh, th this was a very strange time for the disciples. Uh, they never had experienced a time like this in the three and a half years that they had been with Jesus because uh, during that time, of course, uh, they had his uninterrupted, undivided attention for three and a half years, except for the odd occasion when he would go off to pray on the mountain or whatever. But apart from that, every single day he was with them in the flesh and it, it was a tremendous time. And of course, uh, they met him in a, in a physical level. But from now on, he was going to relate to them in an entirely different way. So they were going to have to relate to him in an entirely different way. The way that you and I have to relate to him by faith, unseen, we're going to have to trust and believe uh, in the Christ. And so from now on, things were going to be very, very different indeed. What would life hold for them now? That was the big question that they didn't know. Remember, they had been through the the crucifixion, and uh, at that point, all their dreams were shattered. Their ministry was over. What were they going to do from then on out? And of course, this then became a tremendous time of transitioning. And so they're in a period of transition. 
They thought they had lost him at the cross. Then they found him again at the resurrection. But now he's appearing, he's disappearing, he's coming and he's going. He's here one minute, he's away the next. And they don't know when. If the next time, he may never appear again. Because at this point, they don't know that. He hasn't told them, he hasn't given them any direction whatsoever. And so this is a, a strange kind of transition period that they're now caught in. Of course, it's easy for us to understand, isn't it? Because we've got the Bible. We know the end of the story. You know, it's academic for us. We've read it. But it wasn't for them. It was entirely different for them. They were living through it without any knowledge, not knowing what's going to happen next. And so if you or I were in that group at that particular time, would we have been any different? Would we have felt any different? I don't think so. I think we'd have been exactly the same as they were. And so this is a 40-day period, a transition period that they're in. Now, 40 days invariably in the Bible speaks of a testing time. You remember that Jesus was 40 days in the desert place being tempted of the devil. And how that Moses' middle years, the middle 40 years of his life was a testing time out on the backside of the desert in Midian. And how that Goliath, you remember Goliath, how that he stood there across, shouting across the valley of Elah for 40 days confronting the armies of Israel. So 40 days or 40 weeks or 40 years, usually when you see that in Scripture, it speaks of a, a testing time. Have you ever had a period that you could call in your life a testing time, a transitional period, a, a, a time when you're not sure what's coming next? You know what has been. You've lived through that. But everything that's been familiar to you is now gone or it's ceased. And you're not sure what lies ahead. You don't know yet. You haven't had any instructions quite yet. And so you're in this kind of transition period. Have you ever had a time like that? Or are you in a time like that right now even as I speak? And so you're not sure what does my future hold? I know who holds my future. But at this moment, I don't know what my future holds. So what do you do in that transition period? What do you do? When you don't know what to do, do you do what you've always done? Because these disciples had a big decision to make. Now remember, you're in this six-week period. And that if I could use the term, that evangelistic band, Jesus and his disciples, has now been shattered. Uh, you know, it's been scattered. It's over. The whole ministry thing is gone. I mean, at one point they thought to themselves, we're going to be sitting at his right hand and left hand in the kingdom. You know what I mean? We're going to be running the whole kingdom with Christ. But after the crucifixion, that's gone. Now he's resurrected. He's appearing, he's disappearing. So they're, they're confused. What lies ahead? We don't know. So what are we going to do? He hasn't given us any instruction. So what do you do? Well, they had to live. They had to eat. We, we know at least Peter had a, a wife because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. You know, so they probably had wives. So what were they going to do? So what did they do? Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. That's what he was familiar with. That's what he was good at. 
That's what he knew he could do and do it well. I mean, they were professional fishermen. They weren't anglers. I mean, they had a business at one time that which they gave up to follow Christ. And so naturally, he says, I go a-fishing. And those other disciples, so there's seven of them had fishing backgrounds. They said, well, we'll go fishing with you. We'll get the business started up again. We'll just do that because you've got to live, you've got to eat. Fair enough. But, but, some say, well, they're exhibiting unbelief. They're no longer trusting Christ. They're no longer using their faith anymore. But actually, if we had been in that position, my guess is we'd have done exactly the same. You know, it'd been different if Jesus had said, now, fellas, I'm going to be with you 40 days, and here's what's going to happen after that. But he didn't tell them that at this point. So they had no idea. And so to some, it's viewed as as just unbelief. Well, they, they should have just trusted Christ. Well, it's easy for us saying that. And your belly's rumbling and your belly's empty and you've got a wife and you maybe some of them maybe had family, I don't know, but it's easy us saying that. But if you're in that position, what would you do? And so all that they had known has been stripped away. This seemed to be the only alternative. And being hardworking men, then they felt, well, there's no shame in going back to fishing because that's what we're good at, that's what we do, that's what we did. But, 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 Jesus did have a plan for them. They didn't know it yet, but he did have a future for them. He had a great plan for them. And so this six-week period, this 40-day period, was going to be a time of testing, a time for their faith to grow, a time for their trust to grow, a time for their patience, for their perseverance, a time for waiting, That's what it was going to be for them. And so when all that's familiar ceases and you don't know what to do next, then we do what we can do until Christ gives us direction, until God shows us what actually to do next that he wants us to do. So let's see what happens to the disciples that night when they went fishing. Let's see if we can learn something about this that will help us in our daily journey of faith. Remember that these men were the ones that were going to change the world. These were the ones that were going to be the trailblazers of Christianity. These were the ones that was going to start something that to this day has grown to be the biggest fastest growing religious movement on the face of the earth, outstripping Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Hallelujah. And that's a statistical fact, by the way. It doesn't seem that in the West, but in other places, that is the fact. So remember, that's what they're going to do, but they don't know that yet. They're in this in-between time. And so they go fishing. And in verse 3 it says, they caught Nothing. Nothing. Now here's the question. (coughs) What if they had have caught something? What by their own ingenuity, their own skill set, their own ability, their own bravery, they had it out there, and what if they had to come back with a great boat sinking load of fish that they caught, that they did by themselves? 
do you think they would learn anything? I don't think so. Other than, hey, we're still good at what we can do. We haven't lost that ability. But they wouldn't learn anything about their future at this point. And, and sometimes, sometimes the Lord lets us come to the end of our resources or our resourcefulness before he moves, before we take the next step in his plan. So always remember that this can be a, a testing time, a time of patience and waiting and trusting. If they had come back that night with a successful fishing trip under their belt, they wouldn't learn any lessons about what they were going to have to do in the future. Because in the future, they were going to have to really trust Christ for everything, every day of their lives from that point onwards. So it wouldn't be about their natural ability. It was going to be about what God had planned for them to do. Do you remember that Jesus waited deliberately, consciously waited four days until Lazarus was dead and buried? He was only two miles up the road. He was halfway between here and Dollingstown. And when the word came back that his friend was dying, he never budged. He never moved. No wonder the sister said, if you had been here, where were you? Why did you not come? That's what they were saying. But he didn't. He waited until there was nothing more they could do. And then he gave them a greater miracle. And Lazarus came out of that grave. Jairus' daughter was already dead by the time they got to his house. She was on the bed, dead. Don't trouble the master any further, the mourner said. Your daughter is dead. But Jesus waited until she was completely dead before he raised her up, before they saw that greater miracle. And so they had caught nothing. And in verse 4 it says, When the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Sometimes the Lord comes to us in ways that we don't initially recognize him. He stood on the shore and they did not know that it was Jesus. Now remember, this is only 200 cubits out, this boat. That's just about 100 yards. A cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your index finger, about 18 inches. So it's only about 200, it's only about 200 yards, it's only 100 yards, 200 cubits. And they didn't recognize him. It might as well have been 100 miles away. They didn't recognize him. Now, why did they not recognize him? Well, it could have been a natural reason, because it was gloomy. Daybreak hadn't just quite happened yet. I mean, they fish at night. They came back early, early in the morning, just before daybreak. So maybe in the gloom, maybe a little bit of mist coming out of the lake. Maybe he's just a shadowy figure and they didn't recognize him. Or could it be that at that moment he had changed form? Maybe that's why they didn't recognize him, that he had deliberately made himself that they wouldn't recognize him right there. You see, 
In Mark 16, it says that Jesus met two after his resurrection. And they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And, and that's probably the two in Luke 24 that was on the road to a mess, whose eyes were restrained from knowing him. In Mark 16, he was in another form, it says. But in Luke 24, if it's the same two, it says their eyes were restrained from knowing him deliberately to that point where he stopped with them to eat and then they recognized it was the Lord. And so it also could have been that maybe they just thought that he was just a local, one of the locals. You know, when, when fishermen came in, locals would come down to try to get the best, freshest, best fish first thing. And so maybe they just thought, well, he's just, a, he's just a local coming down to see what our catch is this morning and get some of our catch just at the shore because people did that in those days especially. And so it could have been for all kinds of reasons that at that moment they just didn't recognize Christ. And sometimes when he comes to us in a period of uncertainty, sometimes we don't initially recognize him. Mary Magdalene did not recognize Jesus on that morning outside the tomb, supposing him to be the gardener. In her tears, and in the gloom of the early morning, and in her anxiety, supposing him to be the gardener, where have they laid him? Tell me that I may find him. And so sometimes the Lord comes to us in those periods and we just initially don't recognize that it is the Lord. But hold on, hang in there with me. They are going to recognize him, but just not quite yet. In verse 5, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? If you put that into the vernacular, it would be, Hey, boys. Hey, lads. Have you any food? In fact, grammatically, uh, one writer says, he's actually saying, you don't have any fish. Sure you don't. He knew exactly what had happened that night. That's why he's meeting them on the shore. How many know when the Lord asks you a question, he already knows the answer? <laughs> He already knows the answer. Have you any food? He already knew the answer before they gave the answer. And so, why ask? Because he wants to elicit something from them. He wants them to recognize where they are right now. Here they are. They made their best effort, and it's failed. They have no fish. All of their efforts that night came to naught. And he wanted them at that moment just to recognize exactly where they were. God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? It was a staff. Of course God knew it was a staff. God had made the tree that made that staff. But he wanted him to say, it's a staff. Yes, but from now on, it's going to be no ordinary staff. Because when you hold it out, miracles are going to happen. Adam, where are you? 
I know what bush you're hiding behind. I'm God. I know everything. But where are you in relationship to me? Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing there. But he wants to listen to response. Cain, where is your brother? How do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? That was the wrong answer, wasn't it? Hmm. Peter, later on after this event, Peter, three times, do you love me? Do you really love me? Wanting Peter to respond. Woman at the well, sidecar, go call your husband. Of course he knew she didn't have a husband. She had five men. The one she was living with wasn't her husband. Jesus was the seventh man in her life, which is wonderful, isn't it? So Jesus is simply getting these men to acknowledge that they had come to the end of their resources. They had come to the end of their resourcefulness. Now they're getting closer as to what he really wants them to do. Have you any food? No. 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 Ah. Now. Now. They've come to the end. Now they see there's nothing more I can do. I've tried everything. So he is about to do something for them now. And sometimes it's like that with us. We, we come to the end of what we can do or what we know to do or what we always have done. And then he says, now you're finished with that. Now I'm going to show you what I want you to do. Not what you want to do, what I want you to do. And so Jesus is getting them to acknowledge this. And then in verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And this is interesting. They hadn't recognized Jesus when he visibly appeared to them. Now they're not recognizing him when he's speaking to them. At least Mary Magdalene, when Jesus says, Mary, my Lord, Rabboni. Instantly when he spoke her name, nobody ever spoke her name like Jesus spoke her name. And she recognized that instantly. But they didn't. He's having a conversation with them. And they don't know that it's Jesus. Is it possible that sometimes the Lord speaks to us and we don't recognize him? We don't recognize his voice. I know the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. But sometimes, sometimes in a strange period when things are happening that we feel is out of all, out of our control, sometimes we just don't hear. Sometimes we just don't recognize his voice. And so as far as they're concerned, he's a stranger on the shore. But he, saw, he said to him, cast the net onto the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, why in the world would they listen to a stranger? Well, consider, it's early morning, the sun just hasn't quite risen. If it had have risen and somebody's on the shore, maybe on a little elevated part of the shore, looking down, Remember, in those days, they didn't have any polarized glasses. 
And so they could see the sea at a different angle. And you know that sometimes if you're looking at water and you can see fish, depends the angle you're looking at. If the sun is shining, what you can see. But the sun's not shining. But maybe because he's on an elevated position, didn't need the sun to shine because he's on an elevated position, maybe he could see the fish. And he thought, well, we've been fishing all night, we've got nothing, but this, this is in close to shore now. Well, not all fish were out the deep. The best fish, the biggest fish were out there, but there's smaller fish around the shore. So we didn't catch the big ones out there, but maybe get some little ones here. And so this seemed to be a good advice. And sometimes, sometimes the Lord speaks to us through others. And it may seem just commonplace, incidental, or through something we read, or something we hear, or something we see, or something that's preached. Just through normal means. And sometimes God's speaking, and we're not hearing him because we're looking for something way out there that's supernatural and God sometimes uses ordinary methods to speak to us and we're not listening. Maybe the advice of a friend sometimes can be God speaking to us. Something we read at that particular time can be God speaking to us. So sometimes God uses circumstances, strangers or a friend or whoever and sometimes that just seems the right thing to do. We don't think it's we don't think at that moment it's God. It's not God speaking, it's just a friend or it's a stranger, it's something read. But it seems the right thing to do. And we do it. But it was a God thing. It was what God wanted us to do. So he says, cast the net onto the right side of the boat. A timely piece of advice or just a prompting, or an encouragement, or a suggestion. Sometimes that's God speaking. It's not an audible voice. We didn't get it at three in the morning. Didn't wake up with this thought in our head. Something just happens just during the day, and it's God leading us. And sometimes we've got to recognize that's how God deals with us. Because you can be waiting for a big voice to come, and it doesn't come. And maybe God has been speaking all along, but we weren't listening just like them did recognize it was his voice at this point. <coughs> and so, verse 6, so they cast and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Ha! Huh. Their breakthrough was just the width of a boat away. And they didn't know it. Just the width of a boat about 10 feet away at that side of the ship was their big catch and they didn't know it. And sometimes we are that close to a breakthrough and we don't know it. But it's coming if we do what we're told to do. And so they cast in to that right side of the boat. And verse 7, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Hindsight's always better than foresight, isn't it? It's always easier than foresight. 
my feeling is that John probably was thinking, do you know what? There's too many coincidences here. Why is there only one stranger in the shore? Normally a bit. The number of locals would come. Why only one? How come, how come we have got such a great catch of fishes so close to shore? There's 153 of great fish, not we sprout things. And so John is trying to put all this together. And maybe he might goes back to that time when Jesus said to them, push out a little from the land, cast your net into the deep. And they got a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish. So maybe he's thinking, boy, it's the Lord. It's not a stranger. It's not just a local. It is the Lord. And when he said that there, suddenly, Peter being Peter, impulsive, impetuous Peter. He wanted to get to him first. You know, he only had his underwear on, literally. One translation says he was naked, but it was his underwear. So he puts his fisherman's coat on him, and he dives in. It wasn't very deep like it. Out the shore. He jumps in, dives in, runs across to Jesus. He wanted to get to him first. And suddenly, suddenly, they realize it is the Lord. This is the Lord. And so let's just read just a little bit here again as we wind this up. In verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid in it, and bread. There's the first beach barbecue in history. Right there, record it. If you read on in this story, which we're not, that's the incident where Jesus takes Peter aside at the coals of fire and asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter would remember the last time he was warming his hands at coals of fire when he denied Jesus three times. So Jesus deliberately dealing with Peter next, but we're not going to go into that this morning. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging their net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid in it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. Now over the years I have read umpteen reasons why there was 153 and only 153. And I'm not going to bore you with all those. But the reality is we don't know. Other than it was so unusual that they counted every last one of them. And remember John's writing this 60 years later. And this is burned in his brain. This was so unusual to get these great big fish so close to shore. There may be another hidden reason that I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And Jesus said to them, 
come and eat breakfast. Come and break, break your fast. You've been out all night, you're tired, you're weary. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you knowing that it was the Lord? They don't need to ask. They know now. Suddenly their eyes are open. They can see, they can hear, they can recognize. Suddenly it's clear they know who it is. Then Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. So even when we can't see the Lord, he sees us. Even when they didn't recognize him and they didn't recognize his voice, he saw them and knew exactly where they were, exactly what they were thinking, exactly what they were going through and exactly what he wanted them to do. And sometimes when we can't see the Lord in this, Lord, what's happening? I don't know. I can't see. I can't hear you. But he sees you. And he knows you. And he knows exactly what he's going to do with you next. His supply is always greater than our need. His answer is always greater than our question. His wisdom is always greater than our knowledge. His future plans are always greater than our past. Glory to God. The disciples now, just like us, had to walk by faith and not by sight. Had to trust him every moment of every day. Because in just a few days, for the last time, he would gather his disciples as a group. And as he was talking to them, suddenly he began to rise up and he stood amazed as Jesus went up beyond the clouds. The angel says, you men of Galilee, why are you standing gazing? One day the same Jesus will come. As you've seen him go, he'll come back. And then they had to go from there and walk by faith and not by sight. Probably none of us has ever seen Jesus. Probably none of us has ever heard his audible voice. You might have, but probably not. But regardless of we ever see him until he comes or calls, or we ever hear his audible voice till he comes or calls, then every day we walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that he is planning good for us, that his plans for us are good. A little more patience, a little more perseverance. Just keep trusting, keep believing. He's got that plan, and he will come to us, and he will reveal it in his time in due course. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.